This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Becky Sedgwick, and this week... I'll be sharing what getting lost in West Woods taught me about the power of scripture. And we'll be hearing from Dr. Naomi Graham, who'll be sharing her thoughts on how the Parenting for Faith course works for all families, as well as some practical ideas on how churches can support families with children with additional needs. And for our question, we recently ran a Parenting as a Church Leader Facebook watch party. And as part of the live Q&A afterwards, Rachel answered a question from a mum who wanted to know how to build good connection with their teenage children. And of course, to end with, we'll have a question to start an interesting conversation. So first, that walk in the woods. You know when you suddenly get really thrown off course by something you've never thought about before? Well, that happened to me a few weeks ago. Two things happened at the same time. Well, not quite the same time, but around the same time. The first thing was I was talking to a friend and we were chatting about a mutual acquaintance who is a Christian. And this person has had some really rubbish things happen to them. And they're in a bit of a hole and they don't know how to get out of it. And as a result, they, they, to be honest, made some pretty dodgy choices. And we were talking about this and my friend suddenly said, He just needs to trust God. Just trust. And what my friend meant, of course, was those great verses in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The implication was just trust is enough. And at about the same time, I was looking at some Christian curriculum for kids and families. It was it was all about coronavirus and how how people were coping and the stuff we were learning from it. And they were talking about your emotions and if you felt anxious because of coronavirus. And the advice given was that if you're anxious, trust that no matter what happens, God has a good plan for you. And he quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And while I knew that these Bible verses were really important and are really true, the way the verses were being used in both cases made me feel really uncomfortable because it just felt a bit simplistic. And that left me feeling incredibly upset. I was very discombobulated for a while. Because I love the Bible. It's my absolute go-to for wisdom and comfort and help. Um, You know, I I love talking about the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I know it's God's wisdom and guidance for us. And I know that it's really important that kids learn scripture. Because I learned scripture as a kid and it has sustained and strengthened me um, as an adult. And so I couldn't work out why I was so upset about this. And it took me a while to get there. But one day I realised that the problem was that in both cases, it felt like giving somebody a Bible verse was the answer. 
it would take the problem away. Believe this first and you'll be able to cope with how you're feeling. It will all be better and easier. And somehow I didn't think that was quite right. And so I'm going to explain by sharing a story. A few years ago, we got a dog. So we started going for walks. And we hadn't really ever been walkers before. But when you've got a dog, you've got to embrace your walks. So we began exploring the wilds of Wiltshire, if there is such a thing around where we live. So one lazy Sunday in late autumn, I decided we go walk the dog in West Woods. Now, West Woods is a really lovely, pretty small wood in a village called Lockridge, about 10 miles from us. And it's a famous bluebell wood. So in the spring, we'd often gone. So we kind of knew the woods reasonably well. We arrived there after lunch and set off. Now, there are some really good wide tracks through the wood, sort of the main roads, if you like. And there are also lots of lovely little meandering paths that go off in all directions. And I was determined not to stick on the main path because that was really a bit boring. I was determined to take one of those meandering paths. No, my daughter protested, we'll get lost. I was sure we wouldn't get lost. They're quite small woods, we're intelligent human beings. In truth, I fancied a bit of wild walking and testing my navigational skills. A nice wide path for sissies. We argued a bit, but mum won over and I marched off up a little side path with my daughter shaking her head, but following me reluctantly, preferring the risk of getting lost to being separated. I bet you can imagine what happened next. We got lost thoroughly lost and of course there was no signal in the woods so google maps was a fat lot of good there were quite a lot of told you so's which i richly deserved oh well i thought we can't be lost forever and then the sun faded and dusk fell and then it began to rain not just a gentle sprinkling but like stair rods of proper wet soaking rain and we were soon wet through and the poor dog who's a wimp at the best of times was shivering uncontrollably at the end of his lead so I picked him up he's only a poodle and stuffed him inside my jacket to try and keep him warm and we just kept walking because there was nothing else to do except praying which I did a lot everyone else had gone home I mean who wants to be in the woods when it's pretty much dark and pouring with rain? Not all those sensible people who'd stuck to the paths, as my daughter kept reminding me. So there we were, trudging aimlessly through the rain, peering anxiously ahead when I spotted our car. Yes, I shouted triumphantly. There's the car park. We're not lost. It's the wrong car park, my daughter said. And it was. But the one good thing about that car park was that it opened onto a road with houses. So plucking up my courage, I knocked on the first door to ask for directions. A really lovely man opened it. He immediately offered to drive us in his car round to the other car park. We must have looked terrible. But then his face fell. Oh, he said, I can't drive you. I've had two glasses of wine with my lunch. But I can tell you which way to go. And he gave us some very detailed instructions for how to get from this car park to the other car park, 
which included turning left at a big pile of felled timber. So we set off back into the woods. It was really dark and really wet. And we didn't remember all the instructions, but we managed to remember enough of them to get to the pile of timber. And finally, four hours after we set out, we got back to the car. Well, what's that got to do with scripture? I can hear you ask. It's like this. In the woods, we had a problem. We were lost. We knew what the solution was. We had to get to the car park. But we didn't have a map to help us get there to show us the way. And this was what had upset me so much about the way the Bible verses have been used. The verses had been presented as the solution, as the destination, if you like. Just like the car park was my solution or my destination, but without any clues, any map about how to get there from where you are currently. Take the child who's anxious about the coronavirus. Their problem is that they're eaten away with anxiety about the virus. And the solution really is that when you grasp, properly grasp, that God is in charge of your life, you find that anxiety disappears. But the chances are there's an absolutely massive gap from where the child currently is, from their current experience of being anxious, and getting to that place where they grasp that God's in charge. What the child needs, just like I needed in the wood, is a map of how to get from where they are now to the place of peace that God is promising them. And the way, I think, to give them a map, to bridge that gap between where they are now and the truth of the promise that God has given them, is in the stories that lie behind the words of the verse of the promise. Take that famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a really amazing statement and I know that it, it helps me enormously every time I feel I can't do something God's asked me to do or I'm stuck in a hole. It reminds me of the truth that God really does strengthen me and help me. But I'm able to say that because of my experiences and the stuff I've heard from other people. I have stories which help me when I can't find that the truth of that verse myself. I've got these, these markers on the way, if you like. But if a six-year-old who just can't spell is told, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, what does that mean for them? Or if a 17-year-old who's addicted to pornography is told that they can become unaddicted because they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them, finds that they just don't seem to have the strength to do that. Or a 12-year-old has begun to self-harm because they're so depressed. Is told you can stop because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But they don't know how to stop. What does that verse mean to them? It's still true. But there's a gap. And the idea of being able to do all things, including the things that just seem too big and difficult right now, only really makes sense if we know the stories behind the words. The child doesn't just need to know the truth of that statement. They need to know how to do it. They need the map and not just the destination. So when I read that verse, I know that Paul, who said that, 
did get through masses of really difficult stuff that God had asked him to do. He was shipwrecked. There were arguments. He was beaten up several times. He was imprisoned. He suffered periods of real deprivation. He went on long, dangerous journeys and he did it. And he was able to say, Christ strengthened me through it. But I also remember times when I've got through stuff that I just didn't think was possible to get through. And looking back, I can see God's hand in that. And I've also read and heard loads of stories about Christians who've had similar experiences with people facing serious illness or missionaries literally going out into the unknown, people in debt who are now free, people living with disability and pain, but seeing and knowing God's goodness, refugees living in the worst conditions who say that God is good. They would all say with Paul, I can do all things that God asked me to do because he will strengthen me. So these stories give me a map to help me get from my problem, I can't do this, to my destination, peacefulness, that I can do this with God's help. I never know every twist and turn my journey will take, but this, the, these stories that I've known and experienced give me enough clues to do this and enough encouragement to keep going. And so it, the map enables me to keep going when, when things are tough. And when I don't know how I'm going to do this, the stories give me a map to help get me from the problem to the destination. I know what my problem is and I know where I want to get to. And now I have a map to help me get there. Just like in the woods, finding the car park wasn't easy, but the directions the man had given us kept us going when we wanted to give up and gave us clues about when we were on the right track. It's really important that we teach our children scripture because I know that at the worst moments in my life, I've hung on to the truths that scripture's taught. But it's so important that we don't forget that children don't just need to know the destination. They don't just need to, to learn their memory verse. They also need to know how to get there from where they are. So while memory verses are great and so important, let's also give our kids a map of what they mean, how to get to the truth of what this verse is teaching. And the map is stories, stories of the person who wrote it, stories of times in your life when you've known it's been true and what that was like, and stories of ordinary and extraordinary Christians who've walked the same journey. And then we're giving our kids not just truth and a destination to aim for, but a map of how to get there. And our question this week is for all you parents of teenagers, how to stay connected to your teen and how can love languages help us with that? Two of my boys are already teens. I feel like it's too late to discover their love languages because of the classic distancing that happens at this age. They can act like they don't want to connect. I know. I hope that's not the case. What do you advise? Right. As a youth pastor for many years, they absolutely need you. Uh, There was a study that recently came out. Oh, I think it was America. I'll see if I can find it. It was in one of my things. Oh, I think it was in this book. There's a great book. Uh, It's called Growing With. And uh, it's about how to uh, walk with kids. I'm I'm looking on my bookshelf. Um, 
one of my team, maybe we'll find it for you, uh, uh, Growing With. I did a review of it on the podcast, and it's really great about how to walk faith with your teenagers and uh, throughout their teenage life and into their young adulthood. And um, and they absolutely do. Parents are still rated one of the most influential uh, people in the lives of teenagers. They need you, and they need your love. And they go through stages. That means they don't can't quite articulate that. Like uh, the boys, particularly, when they're growing, they go through a stage where their brain gets washed with certain things and they drop in their ability to recognize facial emotions back to the age of five. Do you remember having a five-year-old and you're like, hello, I'm so excited to see you or I am so sad right now. And you had to like be really big with your face because your kids couldn't quite see what you were feeling. At some point, as boys grow in teenage life, they lose that ability to recognize your face. So when they go, what? They genuinely mean what? Because they don't know what your face is saying. And so sometimes we misread things because we interpret our kids to not be 100% sure of what's going on with them. And so they absolutely are doing, it just shifts in, in how your influence is. And so what happens often is they're watching you like a hawk, um, primarily to catch you doing things that should prove that you're imperfect people. And you're like, I'm imperfect people and I'm okay with that. Uh, and while I'm being imperfect, I can also show you how I connect with God in my imperfectness and how I deal with feeling with disconnected. And so to be able to say, I always want you to feel loved and connected to me. And I don't want you to feel like you're off. I want you to feel understood. I want you to feel like I have time for you. And I feel like I'm going to make a lot of mistakes in this. So I need your honest, like honest feedback on that. And I'm going to ask you things like, how are we feeling? Are we feeling connected? Are you feeling heard? Are you feeling listened to? And that doesn't mean we have to spend all of our time together. I'm just saying our connection is the most important thing to me. And um, besides God, obviously. And uh, and I'm going to ask about that because I never, ever, ever want you to feel that the church or my job is in any way um, something that has replaced you or is taking me away from you because I'm your parent. So I'm going to ask you awkward questions and I want your honest answers. And so even if you start with the connection conversation first, then you can learn their love languages. Uh, and then you can also offer things. Hey, I have 10 minutes. Would you rather us have a quick chat or would you rather a cup of tea? And you can begin to sort of ask and sort of see what it is. But often it's about training them. The connection is a good place to start. Uh, and you are absolutely vital to your kids. For our wildcard section this week, we've been chatting to Dr. Naomi Graham, the founder of the charity Growing Hope, all about parenting for faith. Okay, so um, at Parenting for Faith, we have a free Parenting for Faith course, and you were very kindly, along with a couple of others, involved with reviewing the course and giving us wisdom to create a supplemental resource for course leaders um, supporting parents with children and teenagers with additional needs. Uh, from your kind of experience of doing that and looking a little bit at the, the Parenting for Faith course, what would you say to people who are, they're ready to go, they're running this course or something else, um, and they know that a few of the parents who are coming along have children with additional needs? I think the most important thing is just to recognise that, we, you know, we all can connect with God, whatever our needs are, whatever it looks like for us to do that. And, you know, one of the things that I often talk about is the way that we yeah we connect with God in lots of different ways through all of our different senses not just through the way that we kind of come to the understand and there's so much in the course about different ways we can connect with God I think one of the things 
that we did as we wrote these supplementary resources is we basically framed it around a kind of question approach of like you know what if parents say I'm not sure how I can tell where my child is spiritually particularly if they can't communicate with me or what does it look like for my child to be God connected when I you know when they've got so many different needs or how do I verbally frame things when my child won't understand or what if my child is you know really cognitive and wants to have everything explained so I think for the people who are leading the course it's just you know that resource is there to help you be able to answer those questions basically to make it easy for any parent Mm. whatever their child's needs to be able to to join in um but I think I think the biggest thing with additional needs um parenting is is actually about just being able to be heard and I think if you're you know if you're facilitating the course and you know that parents of children with additional needs are going to be on the course just being ready to listen and giving a moment where you you know you actively listen to what they're saying and you reflect back to them what you've heard and you know actually that can make a massive difference to people feeling like they can be a part of a group even if their child might respond differently to some of the other parents children Mm, that's so powerful and it's such a good reminder I think often as uh, children's and youth workers we think we need to have the answers we need to be able to solve solve the problems and answer the questions and just remembering to take that step back to listen really well as you say to repeat back to hear is probably good for everyone you know not just (laughs) not just parents with additional needs that's so true thank you for reminding us um uh, sort of on that note what are some ways that we can encourage parents in our congregations and in our ministries who are uh, walking this journey they've got children or teenagers with additional needs what key truths can we give them how can we encourage and support them yeah I think I mean the main the main thing that I would always be saying and kind of trying to um you know be, get as part of the culture within the church is that everyone can connect with God whatever their needs whatever the way they communicate whatever their experiences so that really there's that understanding at a deep level within the community that everyone has a part to play and and you know god loves each and every one of us and um yeah just really being able to understand that broadly i think is important i think like trying to make sure that we often i think churches um my experience has been that sometimes we can be quite reactive and we want to you know something happens and we're like oh no I've got this problem I can't don't know how I'm going to get this child to fit into everything I'm doing what we're going to do and I think actually the encouragement I always want to give to church leaders and youth workers and um, family workers is just if we can be proactive in the way that we set up our kids and youth and church ministry in the way that we actually try and make changes that enable everyone to join in before we even have the people walk through the door that can make the biggest difference and changes can be quite Mm. small it can be things like um just understanding that actually we all learn through different ways so i talk a lot about sensory processing and in my book and stuff resources that i write but just being able to understand that we don't just listen and speak it's about you know what do we see what do we hear what do we smell what do we taste how are we moving how are we experiencing 
God and how we're experiencing the teaching and our ability to connect. So the more multi-sensory something is, the more it, you know, the more our story is kind of exciting and draws people in and says, oh, can you feel this? Can you smell this? Like, what would it have been like to be with Jesus then? Or, you know, the more it enables people to really connect in with what's happening and doing exactly the same with prayer, like giving opportunity for children and young people to connect not just through kind of a cognitive way but through their you know the their very being and you know through a hug or through like feeling a wind on their body or you know whatever it is um and then I think as well like just recognizing that parents are you know it's it's a tough job for parents parenting children with initial needs and as we said earlier just really listening to them is important but also um recognizing that they know their child and really just making sure you're asking what it is that children need so i often recommend doing you know doing an additional needs form saying what will help this child to engage like what are they going to find difficult how can how can we understand and support them better because the moment we do that the more we're then able to actually enable everyone to join him. Mm, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And finally, this week's question to start an interesting conversation. If you had a million pounds to give away, what would you do with it and why? Have a great week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.